Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Issues that kind of were going on in the church, but Philippians, there wasn't really, was any issues going on in the church there. It was just... You read Philippians 1 through 4 in a devotional sometime, and you'll see where he said, I thank God in every remembrance in my prayers for you. He was talking about the saints of God. And, and I believe it was Acts 16, why Paul had a, such a special place in his heart for that location was he met Lydia there along the river, and then he got thrown in that prison. How many remembers Acts 16, the prison that Paul and Silas was in? I, I believe maybe it was the moment where they really uh, experienced the power and the deliverance of God. Every time things got rough in life, he remembered what happened at Philippi. He remembered if we start singing and praising songs to God that something might happen in the atmosphere. Amen. And so, you know, he, and watch how, you read, watch how he prayed. He, he prayed that their knowledge and their insight would grow in the word of God. He prayed that in that their decision making would lead them to a closer relationship with God. And he also prayed that they would abound in the fruitfulness of righteousness. You know why? Because Paul understood, I can pray for your wealth and I can pray for your happiness, but if I can get you connected to Jesus, all those things are going to take care of themselves. And we want to get connected to Jesus in this house because it's only Jesus that can bring true deliverance. Amen. Praise God. So we're nothing without him. Amen. And again, we give honor to all of you. And I've come to encourage you today. And uh, I hope you'll get behind me and preach. If we would all stand for the reading of the word of the Lord today, thank you. Amen. Two months ago, Pastor Christman asked me to come. And I couldn't wait to get here because the very next day, God dropped a word in my spirit for this church. Acts 2 14. Acts 2 and 14. But Peter. I wonder why it says, but Peter. You know, you can put your name in there. Peter was the guy that probably anybody should have been there but Peter. Because he was, he was, he just was rude. He was very outspoken. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. I'm going to tell you something. When you've been through a few things with Jesus and then you've allowed the Lord to bring you out, you're going to have a voice and you're going to have a powerful testimony to share. Amen. Verse 40, and many other words that he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Another translation says, as he continued preaching for a long time, and I'm not planning on preaching for a long time today. My wife would disagree. She's over there. She's going to keep looking at me and let me know it's time to get out of the way today. He said, I strongly urge all you listeners, save yourselves from this untoward generation. I want to preach to you today between the cross and Pentecost. Between the cross and Pentecost. And I want you to open your hearts and open your hearts to receive the word of the Lord today. God's going to do a work in this house today if we will let him work. Can we just all agree to do that right now? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. Again, all your blessings, God, all the scriptures that's been read and all the song that's been sung to the glory of you, God, of all have been in perfect alignment with the word that will come forth today. And I pray that every ear and heart and mind that's open to receive what you have today, Lord God, that it would fall on good ground and produce, God, what you've intended for it to produce. God, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, and let everybody say amen. Amen. You can be seated if you don't sit on me. Amen. Rick, it's so awesome to see you. And uh, Rick's sister goes to the Anchor Church of Crooksville. And another benefit of having an Anchor Church in every location is, you know, Rick can have a place to come. He don't have to come clear from Cambridge to Crooksville to be in a church service. And I told him, I said, there's a great church in Cambridge. We need to get you connected there so you can be on church on Sunday and Thursday because we think you need to be in church on Sunday and midweek, praise God. It was a bright Sunday morning. The mother hurried into her son's bed to wake him up. Johnny, it's Sunday. Time to get up. It's time to get ready for church. And Johnny mumbles from under the covers. I don't want to go to church. What do you mean you don't want to go 
to church, Mom said. Well, that's silly. Now get up and get dressed because you're going to go to church. Johnny said, no, I don't want to go, and I'll give you two reasons why I don't want to go. He sits up on the bed, and he says, first, I don't like them, and second, they don't like me. His mom replied and said, no, that's just plain simple, Johnny. you got to go to church, and I'll give you two reasons why. You're 40 years old, and second, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened to myself or Pastor Christman, but just... The point, the point is, sometimes we need to be reminded of our calling. Sometimes we need to be reminded of our place in the kingdom of God. And I thought about Peter reading this story. Uh, his mama made sure he got where he needed to be. And aren't you glad that there's a church that makes sure that you get where you need to be? That's why we're here today. Amen. We're on a journey, and this world's not our home. We're pilgrims and strangers. We're in transit. This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. Praise God. So a lot of people think, man, you, how many's ever made a mistake serving God? Let's be honest here. I'm God. Let's be honest. Every, all of us have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And, and when we do that, the devil loves to bring condemnation. And uh, the accuser comes when that happens. And I, this was really enlightening to me when I studied the story. I love to study the word of God. And you think, you know, what happened between the cross and Pentecost? Amen. What happened in that short month and a half time? You know, you think because you messed up, you got to sit on a church pew for a year or two years before God can use you again. I've just come to combat that mindset here today. When that happened, when everything was going chaotic, and that's usually when things get a little wry, when trials come to our life and things get a little crazy, you know, you want to go away and hide. They want to crawl under the covers. Don't want to be seen by anybody. So on the day of the crucifixion of Christ, Peter assumes that the end has come. He thinks that this whole living for Jesus and everything's going great is over. All kind of crazy things are going through his head. As a matter of fact, he denies that he ever knew the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times when the tough got going. The rest of the disciples, they weren't much better than Peter. They don't even stick around to bury Jesus. Joseph of, of Arithmia, one of the Sanhedrin members, buried Jesus in his own sepulcher. You know, there's, 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 I love Joseph because there's something powerful about him. You know, Jesus meets uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and watch. And in his first encounter with Jesus, you know, he, he met him behind the scenes because he didn't want to be seen in public with him because he was afraid of how he was going to be observed by the religious leaders. I'm, and that's what it is a lot of times when we first come to the Lord, we're interested about it. But listen, there's got to be a moment where you, don't, you have to stop hiding behind the scenes and acting like you like Jesus. And some moment that transfers into a public acknowledgement that he is my Savior and he is my Lord. But it started behind the scenes. For, you watch the progression of, of Nicodemus. He, in John chapter 3, they're meeting behind the scenes. But as his relationship grows... And that's the key. As our relationship with Christ grows, you'll find out that it's not a bunch of this and this is that and do's and don'ts or whatever because the stronger the relationship is with Christ, the less rules you need in a relationship. That's the way it is. The stronger the covenant, the stronger the love is, the less rules you need. So it's got to be about a love of God. So in this progression, John 3 to John 14 to John 19, in, in his progression, you only see it three times. And at first he's kind of like, I'm meeting you behind here because I'm not sure about who you are. But then when they start having conversations with religious leaders, you know, he starts to defend Jesus in public. Come on, this is called discipleship. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And, and now he's acknowledging that I'm not, you know, he's defending him. What wrong has he done? Right, and then we find out at the crucifixion, this was the man right here that met him behind the scenes. That was the one that showed up at his burial and had all the burial spices for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of love for Christ. Amen. I want to keep growing in the knowledge of the word of God. I want to keep drawing closer to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. So, a few days later after the crucifixion, we know what happened. His body's missing, right? They're saying his body's been risen, his body's been stolen, and nobody was sure what happened. It's clear for us to see, but it's a lot of like, oh my gosh. And the disciples meet together in a house for fear of the Jewish leaders finding them because their lives are on the, you know, they're going to be crucified as well. 
So he tells Mary, Mary tells him the news that Jesus is alive and well. And that same day, Jesus, he comes and shows himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God between the cross and Pentecost. And when the disciples saw Jesus alive, oh man, they were happy beyond words. They were like, oh man, things are gonna be just like they used to be. We're just gonna go back to whatever we were doing, eating donuts and drinking coffee or whatever. They thought Jesus would be leading them again, but what they didn't realize, God had a purpose and a plan and things were not like the old times. And Jesus was only with them a few times during this time. And when he was with them, he would just... He would suddenly disappear out of the way. What's going on and what's going on in our life? And sometimes that's the way it is in our walk with God. When he's up, when he's there and when he's, uh, you know, when he's not there, sometimes even in the house of bread, you go look at the story of Ruth uh, and, and uh, Naomi, you know, it, it, there was a, a, a famine in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the house of bread. It's the house of God. And, and then when it got dry at church, they left and went back to Moab. And I want to tell you something about that. In that story, it's so powerful because you're going to have seasons when it's dry in church. You're going to have seasons when you don't feel like the preacher's connected with you, but I'm going to tell you something. Listen to the preacher anyway. Receive the word of God anyway. Receive it into your spirit anyway. Amen. You got you got to open your heart to receive it because here's what happened. In the middle of the story, when you, you know, the Bible, the names mean things in Bible, and, and when Naomi left the house of bread, Elimelech was her husband, which met my king, and she had two sons, Naomi, or, uh, Malion and Chilion. One met joy and one met righteousness. And when she left the house of bread, she lost her king, she lost her joy, and she lost her righteousness. Amen. When she left the house of bread, I'm going to tell you something. Amen. You don't ever want to leave the house of God because when you leave and you decide this ain't worth it anymore, there's some things you're not going to take with you. Amen. Your joy and your righteousness. Amen. The world will come to steal it and to kill it. But at some moment in that journey. We've all went back to Moab at times, but there needs to be a Ruth moment. Amen. When you realize this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Amen. There's a place that I can go back to and Ruth, there's got to be a moment where you say, entreat me not to leave you. Wherever you go, you go and wherever you lodge, I'll lodge but I've been through too many things that turn my back on what Christ has brought me out of. So, we all get there feeling of uneasiness about the future. For months, Jesus was trying to prepare them for this moment. This death, the barren resurrection were for his purpose. Calvary was all about Pentecost. Pentecost would not happen without Jesus ascending to heaven. Jesus had to leave. They didn't quite understand what was happening. They didn't understand why he had to leave. And Jesus told them many times about leaving, but they weren't ready for it. They just wanted to see the five loaves and two fishes and all the miracles. But there's moments when Jesus said, it's, it's, it's needful that I go away from you, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter to you. They couldn't wrap their minds around it, but the comforter is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost couldn't come had Jesus not yet died on a cross. And that's why John 7, 38 and 39 talks about the Holy Ghost. And you know this big key of the Spirit for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. He was glorified on that cross. Amen. It's only by the cross that we have the power of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. And that's why it is many times there come a moment in their life that when he opened that they might understand the scriptures. But they didn't understand it at the time. Jesus told them many times when he tells them greater works are you going to do because I go. You know, it's easy for, that's why he told them that, you know, you don't need to pray and fast while I'm with you because I'm with you. But there's going to come moments when I'm not here that you're going to have to pray and you're going to have to fast because the bridegroom's not here now. But you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to discipline yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you'll do this, my power is going to reside within you. Amen. If you'll stay focused, the greater works are you going to do. That same resurrecting power, that, that healing touch of God that you come to agreement over a sickness or a disease. Amen. That, that, that's the vessel that God God, you know, it's God's dilemma and man's only hope. It's a vessel that says, yeah, God, I'm willing, God, I'm willing to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than, yeah, when we come to Christ, but there's a work that God wants to do through his church. This is what was going on in Peter's life. God, God had to get him. It's amazing what God has to do to get us into position. 
do great things for the kingdom of God. He's, he's so bold. and I mean, he walks right into this courtyard and cuts Malchus's ear off because he thinks he's in the perfect will of God. And, and Jesus got like, come on, Peter. Just, you're not getting it, dude. Come on. You know, and Peter cuts the ear off, which would really put him out of the perfect will of God. But would you thank God for his grace and his mercy? Come on, because if you touched a soldier, you were going to be sentenced to death. But you know what? As soon as that ear came off, Jesus went back up here real quick. Put you right back on. I got rid of all the evidence. They can't do nothing to you. What evidence? Because that's what God does. He takes our mistakes and he makes it as if they had never had happened. Come on, somebody. Amen. How many times have you been through life? How many times have you been through those circumstances where God's grace comes and it's a teacher and it teaches you that you can live soberly righteous and godly in this present world? God had to go. God, Jesus had to go. He had to put it back. Peter, you got a Pentecostal preacher. You're not like, come on, man. Get your act together. Look at somebody beside you. Get your act together. Come on, some of you need to enjoy saying that. Okay, get your act together right now. Is everybody with me? He had to leave. Oh man, how are we going to make it without Jesus? They just got him back after losing him on the cross. What do you mean? Now they're going to lose him again. So here we find that the seven disciples of the Lord... They're upset, they're confused, and they're afraid. And in John 21, 2 and 3, and I wish I could read all this to you, but I got 15 minutes to get where we're going. Amen. John 21, watch this. It says, Then there were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel and Cain of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. I mean, we're picking on Peter. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm tired of trying to figure all this out. I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And they said unto him, we're going to go with you also. See, here's the thing that you got to realize. That's what I said a few moments ago. The kingdom of God is bigger than you. And your decisions have the power to affect people. Your life is a Bible, an epistle read of all men. Amen. Well, it don't matter. Yeah, it does matter. You're somebody's example or you're somebody's excuse. Oh, oh, wait a minute. It gets better. I'm going fishing. They said, we're going to go with you. We're not, this, this is too much craziness going on. They went forth and went into the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Because that's what happens when you run away from God. You end up with nothing. They gave up. I mean, would you think about it? Just they, they gave up their professions. They had an encounter, a powerful moment with God. And they like, Jesus said, if you deny yourself and take up your cross, you can't follow me, you can't be my disciple. And that's easy to do when everything's going well, but what about when things aren't going so well? We think things in this world matter. They don't matter. Money's, money's just an instrument that gets used to propel the kingdom of God. When you, go, when you go by the grave, you're not going to take any money with you. Come on, it, the earth is his and the fullness thereof. When we begin to embrace the kingdom values of Jesus, amen, we begin to position it. What was going on with Peter? God had to sift some things out of his life so he could be saved. Now watch. Three and a half years, they turn around and go right back to their old life. I think we heard a verse read this morning, my brother Charlie. You know, it's powerful. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are past, and all things become new. Why would we want to go back and revisit places God's delivered us from? Jesus told them and tried to prepare them and explain to them what would happen. You know, you're not going to make a liar out of God. God has a plan for your life, and you... I don't, you can say whatever you want. You're not going to make a liar out of God. And I tell our church all the time, you can do things God's way or you can do things God's way. The Bible says they got in a boat. Everybody say they got in a boat. They went fishing. But you know what? They're looking for answers. 
They're looking for answers. Peter's very upset. Now watch. He's not even in his right mind. This is one of the most comical verses you'll ever see. Therefore, John 21, 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Cedar heard it was the Lord, he girded himself with the fisher's coat, for he was naked. Peter has lost his ever-loving mind. It's one thing to get in a boat and to go fishing with your buddies, but I'm not going on a boat naked with nobody my buddies going fishing. What in the world is Peter doing? Like I try to wrap my mind around that. I try to even picture that. It's not even a good picture to want to see. Come on. Some of you lost your ever-loving mind. I'm not gonna, we don't want to say what anybody did. Thank God for the blood. Who gets into a boat with six other men naked? Peter did. Peter's full of fear and doubt, confusion. He was so afraid about the future that he got distracted. And he gave up on Jesus and he went back to his old life. He didn't want to talk about Jesus. He didn't want to preach about Jesus. He didn't want to remember the moment that Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom. And what's worse to me is his decisions affected people that was in his circle. Peter's hiding out in his old profession because that's the only familiar place that brings comfort to him now. And in our text in Acts 2.14, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice. Well, how could we get to this point? How could we get to this place of restoration? He said, you men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. The same group, listen, this happened in a month and a half time. Come on, some of you need to quit worrying about what happened and how long it's going. It's going to just go. There's a suddenly in Scripture. The Word of God is quick. Come on, quick and powerful. Come on, it took, a, I didn't understand what the preacher, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. I was standing at an altar after 22 years of being backslidden out of church, bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart, walked away at 17 years old, and I was making decisions that, when I was 17 that I didn't know what I was making for my future. Amen, that's why I preach about this, and I live this, because I've been there, and the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23 to keep your heart with all diligence out of it are the issues of life, amen, and we know the devil comes down and he has short wrath because he knows he has but a short time and that decision led me down to a path amen of destruction of addiction my name used to be stony and not Tony I lost part of my right lung because of things that I did I've got addicted to things because there was bitterness and I was numbing the pain and masking the pain with things that only Jesus could take care of and I finally I got tired of just being sick and tired and I knew a place where I could go back to. Amen. I grabbed my wife. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Come on. It's real. It's real. I know, I know it's real. Amen. I've lived this life that Peter lived. And I'm going to tell you, how do you know that your decisions affect other people? I'll tell you why. Because I got up that Sunday morning on the brink of a divorce with my wife 14 years ago because I was living stupid.
I begin to speak in a heavenly language that I had not done for 22 years. I'm gonna tell you something. It didn't take two months or two years to be restored under the power of God because he never leaves you nor forsakes you. But if you'll go back to the Father's house, amen, if you'll go back, it's gonna affect your family. It can restore your marriage. Hallelujah. Come on. Be seated. How can he be there? I, I never dreamed of doing this. I didn't want to do this. I'll just die to be in the house of God. I'll be perfectly happy being a Sunday school teacher. I love being around kids. Because they have faith and they believe everything you say. I don't know about adults. <laughs> now watch. I'm coming down to the leaning strip here. The same group of disciples that had totally given up on Jesus just a couple weeks ago are now standing up with Peter. See, because people were, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, at some moment, man, I can't get away from this. We produce what's in our heart. You know, the, the seed. An apple, an apple seed's not going to produce bananas. What's in our heart's what we're going to produce. And that when that seed of God gets in your heart, produces the fruit of the Spirit, and the, that apple seed produces an apple tree. And, and, and the reason why it happens is because nature yields. Nature yields to the obedient process. And then that apple comes to a place of maturity where it looks good and then now it's big. But it's not the goal for the apple to just be the apple. The goal for the apple is to be in Be fruitful and multiply. Because you know what? We can take what I just said a few moments ago one of the very first messages I preached in church was decisions I didn't know I was making. And when I walked out from the Lord when I was 17, I didn't know I was making the decisions of the backslide for 22 years. I was just living in the moment and for the moment, not thinking about the future. That's why you better be careful in dry seasons in your life. That's why you be careful not to be faithful to the house of God because you're making decisions you don't know you're making. That's why you got to be careful. Nothing against things we do in the world and the sports and all that, but I'm all for it. I'm a pastor and I do it. And I understand the process of growing and being in discipleship. And maybe I'm stepping out of my bounds here in a pastoral role, but we do not. Listen, the Bible tells us in Exodus that, that Jochebed, she had Moses. Amen. And she had to release him into the will of God, not knowing what would happen. And she fell into the, she fell into Pharaoh, he fell into Pharaoh's household. And the Bible says that uh, Pharaoh's daughter named, you know that Jochebed didn't name Moses? The Bible says Jochebed nursed him. Come on, the world wants to name your baby, but we need to learn how to nurture them. The world wants to name your kids addicted. The world wants to name your kids once an addict, always an addict. The world wants to name your kid bitter. The world wants, but listen, you got to nurture them. Amen. Whatever you value, they're going to value. You don't say, do as I say, not as I do. No, no, no. You get up and you lead into the house of God. We need a nurturing nature in our church. Amen. Come on, this is it. It's, that's why it's important that the seed becomes what it was designed to be. And so you can be fruitful and multiply because it's more than me and it's more than you. It's about him. All right, Peter's here. Two weeks after giving up on Jesus. Oh, God, here, here. I, when I got back into church that Sunday morning, I didn't know what my future held. But you know what I didn't, this is a decision I didn't know I was making that morning. I was making a decision to intercede for my sister that was having marital issues. I was making a decision to pray for my mom that got kidney cancer. I didn't know it that Sunday morning when I got my heart right with God. But I was making decisions I didn't know I was making. Come on, every day, our, our life and our decisions matter. They're for the, pre the preservation of our family, Joseph. That's why you got to say, God forbid that I should sin this sin. Because there's going to be a famine one of these days. And they're going to come to you for sustainment. Come on, they're going to be picking fruit off of your tree. You should be like a tree that's planted by the living water. It don't take long. When the prodigal comes back to the father's house, he didn't ask him questions. All the church did. But you know what? The father didn't ask questions. Where you been? What have you done? I told you this one. No, no, no. People don't need to hear that when they're coming back to the house of God. 
know what he did? He brought forth the best robe. What's that meant? A covering. You come back and you have a covering. Not only that, he's going to give you, he's going to put the ring on you. That represents relationship and authority. Oh, not only that, he's going to put shoes on you. And shoes are symbolic of service. See, God, see what the devil meant for evil. God meant for good. I'm not saying, I'm not saying to go out here and make mistakes like Peter did. We all need to have testimonies. I, I, I look up to people that's that's fought the good fight of faith. And but we've all sinned and fell short of the girl of God. And we've all been in moments where we've been in need of restoration. Amen. And you don't have to grow up in a goody two shoes house. Listen, all, you know, I didn't grow up in a good household, Pastor Richard. And I don't I didn't have the lineage of some of these. Listen, I, I all I got's one word for you. Where where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. Amen. God can turn it around and take a generational curse and bring a legacy in your family if you allow the seed of the word of God to do a work in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, if we got a couple musicians here, I told you it wouldn't be long. Hallelujah. Two weeks. This is what Pentecost is all about. There's sometimes, I can tell you as a pastor, there's times I want to crawl back under the covers like Johnny did. <laughs> Come on, don't act like you've never been there. There's days when we mess up big time, just like Peter did. There's days when we feel like we failed Jesus. Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake. If you believe that, you lose your reason to live. You lose your hope. you got to learn how to give God something to work with. And he's a master. It's what's left. Give him your hope. Give him your prayer. Give him the broken pieces of your heart. I found out very real. and I, I, I dealt with condemnation for so long because of things I'd done. The first time I got him preached in front of 300 people, I felt so condemned. Because if those people only knew what you did. They wouldn't listen to the thing you said. I had to continue to grow in my walk with God and have that minister to in my heart. Hmm. I love God. I should be alive. I could be in prison. I just never got caught. When God calls somebody, his callings are without repentance. It never leaves you. Adam! Where are you, Adam? Adam partook of something he shouldn't have took of, but that didn't keep God from coming after him. Watch this. I never caught this before, like in scripture like this, in this story. I think it's amazing. How many times did Jesus, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? times. Well, you know, Jesus. He's looking out there watching Peter live his life. He's like, well, I wish he had listened to me, but you know, I wish he would have did it my way the first time, but he's going to do it my way the second time. Early in the morning, all night long fishing nothing, disciples see somebody standing on the shore. And it was Jesus. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Jesus tells the other disciples to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. And when they become obedient, it's amazing what happens. 153 fish come in the boat. John 21, 9 through 13, as soon as they were come to land, watch, they saw fires of coal there. Isn't it interesting because... What did Peter think about when he saw the fires of coals in this period of time? Because that's where he denied Jesus at a few weeks earlier. He looks back at that fire and is like, oh, that's where I denied the Lord. And look at this. He creates a scene. Jesus said, bring me the fish that you caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net full of great fishes, 153. For there were so many, yet the net was not broken. Jesus said, come and that's what I just feel like the Lord's telling us today, you come and dine. 
None of the disciples durst ask him, what art thou? And knowing it was the Lord, they didn't have to ask. You just know. I feel that tug of God in this house today. This is the, only the third time they've seen Jesus since his resurrection. Jesus cooked some breakfast on them coals of fire. The only other place in the Old Testament where we find coals of fire is at the palace of the high priest the day the Lord was crucified. It was here that Peter denies the Lord. The fires of coals was the place of Peter's greatest failure. The fires of coal was etched in Peter's memory. See, there's things I still struggle with sometimes. I'm being honest because I have flesh. But you know what? You need God to help you through what you can't truly get over. There's going to be some things you don't forget even though it's under the blood. But with God, He leads me. He's my refuge. He's my shield. He's my buckler. He's my strength. And when I get my, I put that helmet of salvation on and I get my mind in the right place, all of a sudden I'm positioning myself to where I need to be. The fires of coal was a dark stain in his past. He couldn't get over. I didn't. So Jesus recreates a scene for Peter to reconcile it and get it right. Remember what he said? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Of course I do. Feed my sheep. Three times he reminds him, I've got a work for you to do. I've got a message for you to preach. We're all Peters in this house today. There's a work for all of us to do. Jesus was reminded of Peter of how much he loved him as we all stand. And he was reminding Peter of the call of God on his life. And Jesus was going to make sure he got it right. And that's why we hear suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. I don't know who I'm preaching to in this house today, but I want to tell you something. The devil's told you that you got to live a certain way and certain expectations. It's all about being the vessel that God can work with. It's all about being the disciple. It's all about letting Jesus change really what you care about. Surrendering everything. It's surrender. Mary, you're highly favored going to give birth to a Savior. You know what? She didn't ask about it. She didn't ask for an explanation. But immediately when the angel of the Lord come to her, you know what she said? Be it thou unto me. And we know she gives birth to a Savior. And the Bible says, watch this, we'll leave you with this today. The Bible says that he was in a manger, in a manger, in swaddling clothes. I never, I never knew what swaddling clothes is just tricked my thinking about what you know, the Bible says a manger was a rock and it was hewn the Bible says he was a rock laid in Zion in Isaiah swaddling they would remove the, the wool from the sheep and they would take it to the market and they would lay it all out how they did and they would cut out these patterns these perfect patterns for garments and what was left over was swaddling in other words, he wasn't wrapped in our perfection. He was wrapped in our imperfection. He was wrapped in what was left over. That's what he came for. Come on, don't ever look at him here. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. I just feel a tug of the Lord in this house today. I come to tell you that Jesus loves you. If we can get to the feet of Jesus. Come on, Jesus never criticizes people who try. People will criticize you, but Jesus won't criticize you. He's just sitting in there waiting for you to come down to them coals. And we can make things right. Come on all over this. I think it'd be good if we if we gathered around this altar today. I think it'd be good if we let the Holy Ghost move amongst us, Lord, in this house today. There is healing and restoration in this building today. I feel
feel it in this house today. Some have been battled with condemnation. And I've come to tell you that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Oh, that's it. Come on, all over this building. Let the Holy Ghost minister to you today.
embraced, but I wasn't embraced. And Philip shows up. Are you ready for this? Because he's reading out of Isaiah and he's talking about the lamb. And he's preaching unto him Jesus because that's who Isaiah was preaching about, Jesus. And watch this. It was just three chapters before in Isaiah 53 when he's preaching, but I have to believe as he's reading that Old Testament script. Are you all ready for this? In Isaiah 56, what he says, Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, keeping his hand from doing any evil. Watch, neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord that utterly separated me from this people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Don't let the eunuch say I'm a dry tree. There's living water for the eunuch. You wonder what got him all excited in that chariot? Come on, watch this. Because this is about a covenant. Because he's coming back after people that's in covenant. This is why baptism, this is why... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Oh, praise God. When he told him that, he's like, you have to believe that he shared the gospel with him right there. He opened up the scripture and preached Jesus and it led him to the waters of baptism so he could be in covenant with God. Come on, I don't know who been baptized in this place and I don't know who haven't received the Holy Ghost, but I've come to preach a message of hope to you today and connect you with him. I can't give you the Holy Ghost. We can baptize you in Jesus' name. And if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name today, I will compel you to do that before you left this house. I will compel you to repent of your sins and make a vow of God. Amen. And allow the Lord to take you on this beautiful journey of consecration with him. Let Jesus begin to change what you care about. Come on. I've, I've been on pills. I've done drugs. I don't have a desire for none of that stuff. I don't feel like I've ever done that stuff. I love the Lord too much. I've let Jesus change what I care about. And you know who's benefited from that? People that I've always said I've loved. Amen. One more time, I want us to lift our hands in this house today. Come on, I think there's a work that the Lord wants to do here. I mean, we got time to pray. Come on. There's a covenant for you to enter into today.
sent from this house today. I tell our church at home all the time, when you walk out at this door of this church, you're being sent into the harvest field. You never know who you're going to talk to. You never know who you're going to encounter. Take something that you took away from this service today and try to share it with somebody because that's what this is about. That's how multiplication comes. Amen. And God's doing a great work here. I'm going to tell you something. He's going to finish the good work that he started here in Cambridge. How many believe that today? Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. Amen. I don't, I don't, I feel like, uh, I feel like the Lord has, has ministered to us today and encouraged us today. Amen. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. Amen. He's nigh unto them. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.